Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Glory be to God. All right, so get ready for the word of God now. One more time, the theme of the service is limitless. I want to start by sharing a story. There is a story of a young man who needed a haircut. And so he went to the barbershop for a haircut. And as he sat down just trying to be cordial, he told the, the, the person at the barbershop, you know, the stylist, he said, oh, good morning, God bless you. And the stylist looked at him and said, God, I don't believe in God. And, you know, the customer just smiled and wouldn't say anything. And he sat down, they talked about some other things. And as the conversation went on, the customer looked in the mirror at the stylist and said, I don't believe there are hairstylists in this world. And then the stylist stopped for a bit. I said, what do you mean <laughs> you don't believe there are hairstylists? I just, I just don't believe there are hairstylists. And the, the hairstylist took personal offense at that statement. He said, why would you say that? I'm, I'm a hairstylist. He said, well, if there are hairstylists, why are there people out there with rough hair? The reason he said this is because when the hairstylist said, I don't believe there is a God, the customer asked him, he said, why would you not, not believe in God? He said, if there is a God, why is there so much evil in the world? People are dying every day. If there's a God, why would people be dying every day? And so this customer, using the same logic, told him, well, I don't believe there's, there's any hairstylist in this town. If there are hairstylists, just right out there are people begging arms with rough hair. So how come there's a stylist? And he said, well, they did not come to me. If they had come to me, I would have given them a haircut, maybe even free. And then the customer said, exactly, <laughs> exactly my point. You see, there is a God out there, generous and powerful, you know, ready to bless humanity, offering humanity eternal life. But only few people dare to come to him, dare to call his name. And now this is the paradox of humanity, the oxymoron of humanity. The fact that God in the lives of many people is limited. And now I know that's an oxymoron I already admitted. Limited God? Oh, yes. Because you see, as powerful as he is, he has chosen to give man free will. You know, in the book of Genesis, we're clearly told. He said, let us make man in our own image. And in our likeness, and let him have dominion. So God gave man dominion, the ability to chart the own, his own course of his life, the course of his own life, the ability to make choices, including the right to reject the person who gave him the right to his own choices. And this is this is this is a fact of life. And a lot of people don't understand this, but it's a fact of life. Now, someone says, do you mean I can limit God's influence and power? I mean exactly that. God has an overall counsel that no one can tamper with. No people group can tamper with. But as it pertains to his plan for your life, you can reject it. So God's sovereign counsel is expressed in the giving of the Messiah to die for the world. Nobody could stop that. All right? His commitment to raising the Messiah from the, from the grave, nobody could stop that. His commitment to making sure the Messiah comes again, nobody can stop that. But in that sovereign, perfect, determinate counsel, you'll get to choose your own destiny your own part of the prophecy. What part of the prophecy are you going to be on? Everyone who believes in Jesus will never perish. Everyone, anyone, whosoever. You determine if you are part of whosoever or not. 
And this is so important. You see, the free will of man is not a contradiction of the sovereignty of God. In fact, it's the confirmation or the display of the sovereignty of God. Only a sovereign God will be secure enough to bestow free will on man. If he wasn't sovereign, he'll be concerned that things will get out of hand and there will be nothing he can do about it. But can I, can I tell you something? He already has a determinate counsel that man cannot... Your choices are still within his provision. So you get to choose life. Choose your destiny. If you choose life, this is the path you're going to live. If you reject the message of the gospel, this is the path you're going to live. This is so important. But I said all that to say this. You can limit the influence of God over your life. You can. You know, we like to think otherwise. We sing songs that are nice, but are not very practical. Songs like, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. I love the song. It's a very nice song. But can I tell you something? If God's got the whole world in his hands, he's doing a bad job. Because a lot of terrible things are happening all, all over the world, aren't they? I want to read something to you in Psalm 115, verse 16. Psalm 115, verse 16. See what David said. He said, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth. He has given to the children of men. Guess who has the whole world in his hands? Man. And yes, God can intervene, but not without our permission. If God is going to touch your life and do anything in your life, you will have to partner with his will to see it fulfilled in your life. You have to understand this. This is why a lot of people have not really seen the move of God in their life as they should. Because they've not understood this divine partnership. You have to partner with God. His will will never be independent of your partnership as far as your life is concerned. This is so important. So you just might be limiting God without knowing. Because it's possible that God wants to do something in your life, you know, reach out to you, and you can't, it's just like, Someone in the ditch, you want to bring the person out, you stretch your hand. The person has a part to play. You got to stretch your hand out too. If you need help, you have to participate. You have to stretch out your hand. This is so important. Let me give you an example. A very important example. The example of the children of Israel. The children of Israel, you know the story. Joseph went into Israel as a slave. But, you know... By the mercy of God and by the prophetic gifting of God, he found himself as a prime minister, long story. And he was so blessed, he brought his entire family, gave them lands and all of that. And Israel began to spread and began to prosper in the land. Generations after, even if Joseph is the reason why the Egyptian economy survived. But the Bible says there arose a king, a pharaoh that knew not Joseph. All right, and they were intimidated by Israel and their influence and power. Instead of them to let Israel go, they chose instead to make slaves out of Israel. They made slaves out of Israel, made them cry. As if that was not bad enough, they said, these people are multiplying too fast. Let's reduce the rate of their multiplication. You know what they chose to do? They started killing their male sons. Killing the male sons. Everyone under the age of two, just like in the time of Jesus, was to be killed. I mean, think about the amount of crying that were in Israel's camp. That time, if you were pregnant, you know, you were unsure. You don't, you don't know if to rejoice or not because if you have a girl, then everybody's going to be happy for you. But if it's a boy, now there's a problem. Because you have, to, you have to hide the child. Do, do you know what it means? To have to, like Moses, have to put your, your own baby boy in a basket and let him lose on the water. And even though now, in retrospect, we can be thankful that 
that Pharaoh's daughter took Moses. Think about the emotional trauma. You, you, I mean, you cannot reveal yourself as, at least not openly, as the mother of a child. Think of all the children that died that period. Think of all the Israelites already established in the land, you know, having decent jobs, and then all of a sudden a new king arises and turns all of them to slaves. Think about the emotional trauma going from way up there to nothing, 100 to zero real quick. Think about it. The financial strain, the financial, it, 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 was, it was a great deal. And then eventually, God says, I have heard the cries of my people. He tells Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. I'm going to bring them out. Now listen. The Israelites are in legitimate need. They need a miracle. They're in bondage. They're crying. They're not having it easy. And God, who is all-powerful, wants to help. But guess what? Even if the need of the Israelites are legitimate and God is powerful, is capable of bringing them out, it still wasn't an easy job getting the Israelites to align with God's plan. Think about that. Has it ever happened to you that you wanted to help someone and they were not willing to be helped? I mean, that, I've said this before. Sooner or later, you would embrace the fact that everyone has the right and the privilege to be stupid. It's a personal right and privilege. If a person chooses to be stupid, there's nothing you can do about it. Because you can take a horse to a river, but you can't force the horse to drink. That's, that's the privilege of everyone's life. Choice. Choice. You see people, you know, they went through a downtime in their life. And they chose to take their life. Take their own life. And you, you just wonder, why put all the people who love you, all the people around you to so much grief? It's, it's a very selfish way to think that I'm going through grief, and the way out of it is to put others to grief. Some others, it's just the way they go about their career. There are people depending on you, and you just make careless choices. You know, as a parent, you have kids depending on you. You make careless choices. Maybe um, it's a conflict with you, and, and, and I know this is a sensitive topic, but, but some people, just some flimsy conflict, they choose to walk away. Walk away from the marriage. And now their children will never be the same again. They have a perspective to marriage that is damaged. They may never recover. Now they have to live without, you know, a father figure or a mother figure because daddy and mommy won't just reconcile. And some people, you know, what they're going through can easily be fixed. It is one thing for you to pray for people. It is another thing for the people to align themselves with prophecy, to want to be helped. Can I tell you something? If not for human will, God would have changed the world. I'm telling you that categorically. But he cannot because he has given us dominion. This is so important. So now, the children of Israel, God is doing this because of his promise to Abraham. Abraham had a vital, effective relationship with God based on faith. And now God, is, God has vowed to be faithful to the entire lineage of Abraham. But the lineage of Abraham, they are stubborn. They need the help, but... You know, they still won't listen. Moses knew them very well. He said, they won't believe me. God went so fast to give Moses signs. Okay, drop this rod on the floor. What is that in your hand? A rod, drop it on the floor. He drops it on the rod, on the floor. He picks it up. It, it, let me take that again. He drops his rod on the floor. It turns to a serpent. 
He picks it up by the tail, which in itself is a miracle on his own. <laughs> if you were doubting that Moses was a prophet, the fact that he dropped his rod on the floor, it turned to a serpent, and he agreed to pick it back up, that alone is a prophetic sign. You qualify. You know, someone else would have been like, oh, God, I get the point. <laughs> pick it up, pick it up. No, let it, turn it back first. <laughs> you know, and all of, even some people, even if God turns it back, they still ain't going to touch that road ever again. <laughs> but God went so far as to give him those signs. He said, put your hand in your pocket, bring it out. He did it. His hand was leprous. Put it back and bring it out. And he saw a healing. This by the way, was just a picture of charismatic ministry. The kind of control God wanted to, wants us to have over healing. I mean, I can dip, my hand is leprous this moment. I dip my hand in my pocket, bring it out, and it's fine. But God goes that far to give him signs. He goes to the children of Israel. And he does all of that. And you're like, oh, they're hyped. You know, okay, no problem. Oh, yeah, go ahead with your plan. And then Moses goes to Pharaoh and said, God says, let my people go. And Moses says, who is God? Did I say Moses? Pharaoh says, who is God that I should listen to him? Pharaoh said, it is because you people have so much time on your hands. That's why you are hearing voices. He doubled the burden of the Israelites. And when that happened, the Israelites did not want to hear from Moses again. I mean, think about it. Listen, we have history, you know, in the world, even in modern-day history. Look at, the, look at America, what they did to the blacks in their community. And without any burning bush encounter, a man stood up to lead a political campaign, you know, to lead a revolution, Martin Luther King Jr., there was no Martin Luther in Egypt. And even when someone rose, being called of God, they would not cooperate. They would not. They would not. So God shows great signs. I think I, think I talked about this in passing last week. Great signs. You know, water turned to blood in the presence of everybody. You know, frogs came out. You know, the whole, a lot of miraculous things happened. These things were so rem remarkable that Rahab heard about it in Jericho and believed in God. Think about that. Rahab heard about it, the works of God in Israel or for the children of Israel and believed God. But the people for whom God was doing the miracles, many of them still wouldn't believe. It's, it's the privilege of man. Have you seen people, you treat, them, you treat them so well, but they choose to be so unkind? Relationships that you wish could prosper, could blossom, but because someone would just choose to be stubborn. It's the privilege of man. You see it in romantic relationships. Can I tell you something? Uh, and, and this is, I'm saying this gently but seriously. Don't give yourself unnecessary heartbreak. Because if a man or a woman chooses not to love you, there's nothing you can do. You can only pray. You can only pray. And if God talks to them, they can harden their hearts. They can harden your, their hearts. So when two people come and they make commitments, it's in trust. It's in trust. But if the other person chooses one day not to be interested, there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. It's in trust. It's a privilege of humanity. It's a huge privilege. One that many people have abused. Many people will have kids and choose not to train them. It's a sad privilege. Because when you have children, the government does not come to assess you to know if you are capable of raising children or not to allow you. And thankfully, I'm happy for that because, I mean, that would be an infringement on our human rights. But when you see the way people treat their kids, you know, some, you earn 
5K salary, you have 10 children. What were you doing? What were you thinking? And that's, that's just the privilege of humanity. You can do all bad all by yourself. And now, after all those miracles, Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. Oh, my goodness. Just think about it. After so many years of bondage, of slavery, it's happening. Pharaoh lets you go. It's happening. That's a huge miracle. Well, the moment they get to the Red Sea, I mean, easily, they could have trusted God. They could have prayed. Because they saw all the things that God did just the day before. There was massive death all over Egypt. And the entire Israel was spread, it was spared. I mean, that's enough for them to trust God and at least pray. Yeah, nobody had crossed the Red Sea before, but nobody had seen water turn to blood before. Nobody had seen an entire river turn to blood before. They could have trusted, they could have prayed, but they did not. Instead, they began to rain insults on Moses. Rain insults. Is it because there were not graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die? And they began to say all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Eventually, you know the story. Moses stretched his rod and the sea part to the left and to the right. Parted the sea. Congealed to the left and to the right. And now they walked. It must have taken them days. Witnessing a miracle to the left and to the right. Seeing, you know, and all of that. Not just that, Pharaoh and his army tried to pursue Moses and the Israelites. When they entered, the ocean closed in on them and they all drowned and died. But the children of Israel were spared. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think your mentality would be if you experienced that? I mean, for days, you are literally seeing a miracle to your left and to your right. I mean, when we say that your life is dependent, you know, on God, you might not get the picture, but when you are walking and there is an ocean wall to your right and to your left, it's a different picture. It hits different. It hits different. That was the first aquarium in the world. It froze to the left and to the right, congealed. And they get to the other side, having seen such a great miracle, and they get thirsty. They still had not learned to pray. They still had not learned to trust God. You know what they did? They picked up stones. Picked up stones to try to kill Moses. Because as far as they were concerned, you know, the terrible meals they were eating in Egypt was better. Moses had brought them to die. Despite all the miracles they had seen. Again, I'm saying, no matter how willing and interested God is, all right, to bless us, to provide for us, you can limit him. They kept doing that. And then there was bitter water. God made it sweet. They drank. Oh, now they're thankful. Even after that, now they're hungry. They want to kill Moses again. God rains down bread from heaven. After a while, they want meat. You know, some people are just like that. Some people, they've seen miracle after miracle in their past, but they don't know how to make a connection and to say, God who did this and did that, he can do this one. They, they just, they are ever learning, never able to come to a point of truth, never able to come to a point of persuasion. Constantly in doubt and unbelief. And I want to show you what the book of Psalms said about the children of Israel. Look at Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78. You see, many times the children of Israel wanted to go back to Egypt. God had a good plan for them. To lead them to a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a great plan. But even for a plan that was for their own good, they still wouldn't agree. The Bible says they turned back. They did that in their mind. The only reason why they literally didn't turn their back on Moses is because there was no way to go. 
If you go back to the rest, how will you part it by yourself? That was the only reason why they stayed. And so Isaiah, uh, I, I beg your pardon, Psalm 78 verse 40. We'll read 40 into 41. Psalm chapter 78 verse 40. It says, how oft did they provoke him in the wilderness? They provoked God. They provoked God through their unbelief. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned their back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Limited. Limited. You know, of course, this, this Hebrew word also means to provoke and all of that. But, but it also points to the fact that God could have done more. Had a better plan. They limited. Think about this. Like I said, it's an oxymoron. Limited God. Limited God. Well, you just read it. You just read it. And if you're not careful, you just might be doing the same yourself. That God is ready, you know, to show himself strong in a particular area of your life. And you just aren't ready. You may be, you may be limiting God. And that's what we're here to address. Partnering with God to see the impossible made possible in your life. So how does God persuade a people that his power is sufficient to get them through that pain? How does he do it? How does he do it? Very important question. What if I told you that the prophecy and promise of God over your life, he can fulfill it? No matter the constraints and the difficulties you're faced with right now, he can fulfill it! He can. And guess what? It wouldn't matter how much power he has and he is willing to wield in your direction. If you don't believe, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think, but it wouldn't matter if you don't believe because his power is going to walk through you. And if you're not ready to participate and to partner, it's all a waste. This is so crucial. So crucial. So crucial. So crucial. Listen, I know some people will, there are mental models on what a prophetic ministry is. You know, for a lot of people, the prophetic ministry always has to be me calling people out, telling them their phone numbers, their account details, and all of that. And that's not to say that everyone who does that is false. That's not what I'm saying at all. But think about it. I've said this before, and I don't want you to ever get over this. Of all the themes that God could have given us for our camp meeting, he chose the new normal. Of all the themes, just December, our camp meeting, the theme for our camp meeting was the new normal. And two months after, that becomes the most popular phrase in the news, the new norm, everywhere. Everywhere. Maybe you would have preferred God to come out and say, oh, there is going to be a pandemic. He chose better to redefine our concept of normal. To say, listen, friends, listen, listen. Your life does not have to be subjugated to your environmental constraints. You can live above. You can function with the word of God. You can function by the spirit of God. You can always prevail. And he emphasized that. So that months after, when the world is crying the new normal, the new normal, adapting to a pandemic, he has already ingrained in our hearts our supernatural advantage. There is no better way he could have prepared us for this season. And now, watch night service, he says this is the year of movement. And given that prophetic history and pedigree, you dare doubt now, and the world is downsizing, you know, readjusting, anticipating, you know, financial difficulty, and you, in your mind, subconsciously, you've limited God. 
Oh, this year is going to be tough. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to survive. Oh, what are you doing? You need to repent. Can I tell you something? Not only are we going to survive this season, we are going to do better than we did last year. Better. Better. Our ministry is not surviving at all. We are reaching more people. Did you hear what I said? Reaching more people by the power and the wisdom of God. Reaching more people. We've seen financial miracles this period. You know, we've, it gets better and better. You know, and, and every week I keep sharing testimonies of what the Lord is doing in people's lives. Tomorrow or next, I'm going to commission a house and bless a house you know, that a young fellow just bought in this period. A new couple. And I'm saying this respectfully. I think the guy should be 29 or so. That's his second house, his second duplex. He bought it in the recession. Listen, God has a marvelous plan for you. He's going to lead you in this season. Hallelujah. He's going to open your eyes to ideas, ideas, ideas. You're going to look around and you're not going to notice any loss. Instead, you will see increase. I want you to believe it with your heart. Believe it with your spirit. You've looked into the news too much. Look into the word. Look into the word. How are you limiting God? Some people limit God still through stereotypical expectations. And this is, this is a very sensitive one. Not, not really sensitive, but very important one. You know, a lot of people don't know this about themselves. But it's there. You see the biblical example. The problem people had with Jesus was not the fact that he healed. Of course, why would anybody have a problem with someone who heals? They loved him for that. I mean, anywhere he shows up, a multitude will literally follow him and beg him, can we just touch the helm of your garment? I, I know you're on a journey. Can please, can you just touch this fellow for us? I mean, they will break a roof, you know, dip someone in there to receive him. Heal it. They loved him for that. They celebrated him for that. Every time he's, 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 he's in a place to teach, there'll be a multitude of people, thousands and tens of thousands of people. As if that was not enough, on two occasions, after he had taught many days, he didn't want the people to return back. And so he multiplied bread. Do, do you understand? Like, in a time where things were hard financially, he performed such a miracle. Oh, that was it. That was it. At that time, the Israel was being colonized by the Roman Empire, and they were waiting for a Martin Luther figure. They thought that the prophecy of the Messiah was going to be a political Messiah. He was going to be a political champion to, to free them from the tyranny of Rome. And now they're seeing, they're seeing indications. First of all, this guy is charismatic. A multitude is following him. He has the ears of the people. And then he's feeding the people bread. What the Roman Empire is not really doing so well, he does it twice. The Bible says they seize him forcefully and they will make him king. He had a runway. They wanted to seize him and forcefully make him king. No, so, he, so he had a runway. Think of that. And so... Days after they find him, and they're like, oh, we've been looking for you, you know, trying to pretend as if they're truly concerned. Have you seen people like that who out of the blue just call you and they're concerned? How are you? How is the family? And in your mind, they're waiting. You're counting down to when they will say why they really called. I just said I should greet you. Oh, that's fine. Everybody's fine. Uh -huh. So that your friend that works in this company. Here we go. Here we go. You know, so they came to him, and they were like, oh, we've been looking for you. And he said, it's because of bread that you're looking for me. Because of bread. I am the bread come from heaven. So he tries to shift their attention 
from satisfying their stomach to edifying their spirit, but they won't have it. Labor not for meat that perishes, he said. But you see, this is the problem of religion. We camp around a particular aspect of God. We make a denomination out of it. So there are people who all they want from God is healing and provision. And if they don't see it, count them out. The moment Jesus was not going to give them bread, the entire multitude turned their back and walked away. They walked away. There are people like that. And then there are people, you know, they believe in salvation. They believe in all those things. But when it comes to healing, they are not as willing to receive. When it comes to, you know, teachings on the favor of God like this, they're not as willing to receive. Do you realize some people have theological preferences? As a pastor, I know this. All right. In fact, all year round, I see different groups of people hyped at certain times of the year. So when I teach on grace, they're the grace enthusiasts. In the church where everybody receives my ministry, some people are just bigger on grace than the others. So when you're teaching the gospel, oh, there are some people, you know, they literally call me after every sermon, tell me how much I'm a, I'm a blessing to them, and I appreciate that. They send messages. Some even send money, and I appreciate that. Then there are some, they are the power enthusiasts. When, you know, maybe I minister to the sick, or I'm giving prophetic words, or, you know, the prophetic songs begin to come, they are most hyped. And that's when, you know, they are more vocal on social media or how they love the pastor and all of that. And I appreciate that. Mind you, I'm, I'm really thankful for this. You know, and there are some other people, you know, when I begin to emphasize, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, they like that. Uh -huh. You know, because subconsciously they're like, yeah, all this grace stuff, we believe it, but some people need to hear these things. You know, so when I say that, they come and they say, thank you, sir, you know, and all of that, and all of that. You just, so, a lot of people have theological preferences. Some people, when I talk about prophetic order and God's ability to favor us, and how by the leading of the Spirit, you can experience favor in your finances, that's when you see them involved. I mean, literally, different people are most hyped, depending on the sermon, in the same church. And if you're not careful, you may be limiting God in some aspects because of your stereotypical thinking. Because your relationship with God is just, you know, that's what has happened in the body of Christ. You see some people, you know, it's the holiness movement, which for God's sake, it's so important. They, they emphasize consecration, which is what they call holiness. You know, consecration and living a life that people can clearly see and know that you're children of God. But then, you know, some of those people, not all, but some of them tend to be useful for only that. Bad grades in school, terrible colleagues at the office, they're not good for anything else. And then there's the kingdom movement, the people who are very big on, you know, you know, they even go so far as to say, take over the world and all of that, you know, several mountain prophecy and all of that. And a good number of that stuff is great. On some levels, I agree with them, you know, but these people also, they tend to downplay the consecration of the holiness movement, even mock it. This is a problem we've had in the body of Christ. And then, after the kingdom movements, all kinds of movements, you know, these people are also poor in doctrine of power. You know, the kingdom people, they don't heal the sick. So, you go to maybe a meeting like that, and it's all intellectual talk. All intellectual talk. And then, some people discover the problem in that movement, and they start another movement, the power movement. And in every service, you know, they are beating the mic. Power, 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 power. <laughs> you know, and all of that, you know. But when it comes to the teaching of the gospel, they don't know it. They don't know it. And so this is the problem with the body of Christ. We keep 
camping around, making a denomination out of an aspect of God. It's a huge problem. And by doing so, we limit God and his power in these other aspects. Because God is full and rich, ready to give us a well-rounded life, and we are not willing. We are not willing. Through stereotypical thinking, we limit God. And then the second thing, I've already talked about this in passing, is small thinking. Small thinking. You limit God by thinking small. When, you know, a popular example, when spies were sent to the land of Canaan. I mean, you've already seen all the powerful things God has done. And now it's time for Canaan to take the city. But you go and then the Bible says they saw giants in the land. And this is the interesting thing. They said we were as grasshoppers in their eyes. How do you know? How do you know? Have you seen people who are so sensitive about what other people think about them in such a way that they allow their sensitivity jeopardize the relationship? You know, some people are so defensive. They always suspect your motives for saying something. And so that's why they pick a fight when there's no fight because they're always wrongly anticipating the reason why you're trying to say what you're trying to say. So they are hearing from your mouth things that you never said because of their own insecurity. They are picturing how you're seeing them and many times they're wrong. It's bad enough they said we were, this is Numbers chapter 13 verse 33, we were as grasshoppers in our eyes. We were as grasshoppers in our eyes. It's bad enough. You think yourself so small. So small. And that's okay. But hey, God is behind you. Think about that. But they won't think about that. Seeing themselves so small. And then worse still, they are imagining how those other guys were seeing them. So were we also in their eyes, grasshoppers. Small thinking. The world has canceled 2020. A lot of people are making jokes about how 2020 has passed. They can't wait for 2021. They still don't get it. They think 2021 in itself as a year has the capacity to be good or be bad. Can I tell you something? There, there has never been a year that was bad for every single person. Never. Study history well. It's not about the year. It's about how aligned you are to the good in the land. Some of the wealthiest people in the history of the world made their money during World War II. Go and read well. Go and read well. Go and read well. It's not about the year. It's about where you're standing. It's about where your trust is. So if you are waiting, even psychologically, for this year to just pass on you and to start everything over again, you are still missing the point. Brother, you're still missing the point. Trust in God. I don't know about you, but this is still the year of movement. In every aspect of my life, particularly in purpose, it's the year of movement. Can I tell you something? Our ministry is going to reach seven times more people this period than in the previous seven years of our ministry. Seven times more, mark my words. It will be so by December 2020. It will be so by December. And if you're not careful, people will be shy to share their testimony with you because they don't want to make you uncomfortable. Because you have wrapped your mind around how things are so bad. You, you know, I received so much financial favor last month. So much. So much. So much. I gave, I gave, and it came back. And it's going to be like that for me till the end of the year. People, people are, are getting employed this period. I told you, I shared a testimony with you last week. Getting employed this period. Getting opportunities. 
Don't limit God. Do you know who God is? He can make a way in the desert. He said that about himself. He makes a way in the desert. He makes a way in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. That's the God I know. A way in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. A way in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. That's, that's my God. That's my God. That in a time of famine, you can dig a well like Isaac. They seize the well. You dig another one. Oh, yeah. No time for crying. You dig another well. They seize that one too. You dig another one. You can do repeatedly in the time of famine what people cannot do once. Listen, that's what I'm talking about here. If you have given up on 2020, you were trusting in your power. You were trusting in your power. I want to dare you. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. <laughs> I want to read a story from 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 3. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 3. God spoke to Elijah. You know, when you dare give a prophecy, you know, like according to my word, there shall be no, no rain for three years. You better run. <laughs> because if the prophecy is fulfilled, they're going to come for you. So, so after that prophecy was given, you know, in verse 3, the Bible says, God spoke to him, said, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook of Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. He says, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and stayed in the brook of Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought bread and meat in the morning. Bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Balanced diet. Carbohydrate and protein. <laughs> Where did they pick it from? I don't know, and I don't care. But without fail, throughout that period, he had morning food, evening food. Glory to God! That's my life. Hallelujah. In the will of God, I never get stranded. I'm going to talk about this next week, Sunday. <laughs> In the will of God, I never get stranded. You see, maybe you need to go and listen to the watch night service sermon again to know how well we were prepared for this season. It was a very weird sermon, I know. But now, if you listen to it, you will understand better. Because, you know, you watch night services, people usually like to hear things like, this new year is going to be this, it's going to be that. You know, and I was more focused on aligning yourself, irrespective of how the year is, aligning yourself. We'll talk, talk about that again next week to refresh our memory. Hallelujah. But this is my God. This is the period to have prophetic tenacity. That even if a well you had dug before, because of the constraints of the season, you know, you can't get water from that well again. You start again. You dig again. Whatever blessing you had before that this season has limited, the same wisdom of God is at work in you to reproduce it even better and bigger. Start again. Start again. And so when you feel like your back is against the wall, you have nothing else to do, God is going to ask you, isn't this the consistent thing that God does every time? You know, Moses is asking, how do I bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You know, that widow is asking, well, what do I do? I mean, people are coming for my sons because my late husband was owing. You know, and the question was the same. What do you have? What's in your hand? Three stories, something similar. Jesus wants to feed, feed the multitude, and then he's going to walk with five loaves and two fish. That woman, that 
last jar of oil in your house that you think is useless, God is going to walk with that. Moses, that insignificant stick you've been carrying about is what God is going to use at a time like this. Don't look stranded like a normal person. It is time for prophetic vision to see what is in your hand and see what God is capable of making out of it. This is the time to say, okay, I'm out of work, but there are gifts that God has deposited in me. I'm going to look within and see through the eyes of the Spirit prophetic options, prophetic opportunities. Refuse to be stranded. Refuse it. Look prophetically at what you have. Look prayerfully. Stop complaining about what is going on outside and look inside. There is something you can do by the wisdom of God. There is something you can do. Can I tell you something? You know, the Bible tells us at the beginning of the world, it says the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Bible says, and God said. Listen, in the natural world of men, talk is cheap. But in the realm of the spirit, talk is a currency. Did you hear what I said? In the natural world of men, talk is cheap. But in the new normal, talk is a currency. Don't ever say talk is cheap again. My talk is never cheap. Not in the realm of the spirit. Of every word that comes out of a man's mouth, he will give account. Talk is not cheap. Your talk is going to cost you a lot. And even when it seems like things are not working around you, with your mouth, you bring yourself out. You bring yourself, you start talking like you have creative power. Hallelujah. I will always have to give. I will always have. A natural man at a period like this is already, you know, conservative. And all of that. And of course, you should be smart. But can I tell you something? A spiritual man, it might be counterproductive to start the Lord nudges you to give and you refuse to give because the news says there's a depression. Ah, Where are you learning this? What are you reading? It's just like the widow of Zarephath saying, you know, prophet, I don't care if you said God sent me here, sent you here. I'm going to eat this last one with my son and die. <laughs> Hallelujah. And for God's sake, I'm not asking you to give all your money. I'm just saying, listen to the Lord. Listen to his guidance. He's the Lord over your life. He will tell you what to invest in. He will tell you what to give. He will tell you how to save. Listen to him and keep talking. Keep talking. Keep talking. Keep talking. My bank account can be read, but the word of God will remain on my lips. I may not have a car anymore, but the word of God will remain on my lips. My talk is not cheap. Hallelujah. My talk is never cheap. Can never be cheap. And I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep talking. Can you realize every single thing you see around you came to be by words? Nobody has the right to say talk is cheap through a lips that came to exist by words. <laughs> Start talking. Start talking. Start talking. Talk about what your marriage is going to be like. Talk about what your finances is going to be like. Some of you, you have allowed the devil give you funny suggestions about how your health is going to be at the later part of your years. It's time to start talking. Hallelujah. The Bible says, a, a, um, Moses... Abraham was old and his eyes were not dim. It's time to start talking. Set the, the course of your own life. Hallelujah. So you know what we're going to do now? I'm going to give you some time to talk. Some talking time. Hallelujah. And you're going to say things like this. You're going to say prophetically that this season would turn out for your good. It will turn out for your good. 
Because this season has made you prepared. You are prepared spiritually. <laughs> you have found your own definition of the new normal. This season, in every aspect of your life, is turning out for your good. I'm giving you time now. Begin to talk now. Begin to talk now. Pace the floor where you are. Lift up your voice. Begin to declare over yourself, over your family. It's a time for the prophetic order. Prato cruzete te cucute que pato lombo roto livenendo crude. Arratondo ropalindo loco shenderebe. Make sure you're talking right now. Make sure you prophesy right now. Make sure you prophesy right now. Matongres. Zunderebe de gira. Gurata la barande ribetike de curete give. Azuzuze que barute. Arratunderebe dige de bocombrete give. Latogra. Hayaya. Hayaya. I dig wells in desert lands. Ale mondoro bobo bondoro botea. Ravens bring me food. Ale mandea. I refuse to be stranded. Ale mo. I serve the God of Isaac. I dig wells in the desert. I serve the God of Elijah. Ravens bring me food. I refuse to be stranded. And the resources I have, they are multiplied. They are multiplied. They are multiplied. They are multiplied. I refuse to be stranded in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. You see, the problem with people is that they expect the miracle to happen first. And it doesn't happen like that. You see, that lady, that widow, just kept pouring the jar of oil into as many vessels as she could borrow. The only proof that there was a miracle is that one jar <laughs> somehow filled many vessels. But if you sit down waiting for the oil to start overflowing, it's not going to work. You have to take a step of faith. You have to do something. You have to do something. So when you have five loaves and two fish, it's not as if you're going to sit down and pray and then the bread will just start getting gigantic in your front. That's not how it works. Do you know how the miracle is going to work? You are going to start sharing at, at the word of the Lord. What he asked for you to do, you begin to do. You start now. Start now. Don't wait for the year to end. Start now. What he asked you to do, begin to do it now. Hallelujah. Because you are not walking. Listen, a child of God does not observe the weather to obey the voice of God. You have to understand that. When God says to go, we don't judge by how fair the weather is or what the news says or what the report says. We believe the report of the Lord. This is my year. I, I, I refuse to give up on this year. There is good in the land for me this year. And I profit from this year. I make progress this year. This year, I'm going to be exceeding successful, exceeding great. And I decree and declare that what the world calls a cast down is my season of lifting in the mighty name of Jesus. And this world and all the pandemic and everything is setting up opportunities for my advancement. Opportunities for my advancement. Opportunities for my advancement. In the mighty name of Jesus. And then when you pray and God gives you ideas, you move. You move. You move. You move. That's my life. Like the children of Israel in Egypt, even if there is death around, you can be safe and secure. Not just safe and secure, waiting for everything to pass. You can make progress in your finances. You can receive favor in a time of mourning that 
all the all the houses in Egypt, someone had died. A male son had died. There was mourning, but and in that period, the Lord said to the children of Israel, "Go to the houses of Egypt, ask them to give you gold," and they did. They did. Mind you, what they received wasn't even what they deserved because these guys had been working hard labor for many years and were not paid. And now it was a time for supernatural compensation and God did not wait for everything to be normal again before he favored the children of Israel. They had so much gold, they decided they were stupid with it. They even made a golden calf in the wilderness for you to know how much gold they had. That's your life. You're going to receive this season. Mark my words. Can I tell you something? Let me tell you something about prophecy. When you align your heart to the word of God on a particular issue, miracles will begin. So mark my words. As you have aligned your heart in the direction of favor, you will start hearing testimonies of favor from now. I mean, it begins now. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm in the middle of it. Testimonies are everywhere around. <laughs> Glory to God. I see it. Testimonies are everywhere around. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Just give him praise right now. We thank you, dear Jesus. Glory be to your name. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline. 0809 996 7000 Blessings